my heart is racing. I can't sleep. And that's when I realize I'm having anxiety. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Guys, welcome to episode 10. This is the anxiety episode. We are really excited for this episode. We, specifically me, I think that anxiety is something that has been a highly requested topic. Well, I feel like if anyone has listened to our podcast, they know that we've dealt with anxiety yeah, this year. It's not it's no secret. So and y'all, like last night I had the worst like little anxiety spell come over me. I don't even know what it was. Like I was laying in bed, my heart was racing, I couldn't sleep. Like I basically had to take melatonin until I knocked myself out. And I just thought to myself, like, wow, I'm so excited we get to talk to Sarah J today. I have a lot to unpack. I have a lot to unpack <laughs> with you. I think that anxiety is tricky because it shows up for people in so many different ways. Like for you, it looks different than it does for me. Yeah. And it's just really recognizing what it is for you and how it shows up in your life. Yeah. It can be scary because it's almost like when you become familiar with one effect of anxiety, another one that you've literally never heard of in your entire life starts happening. And you're mm-hmm. like, what the hell? Like I literally have mastered my deep breathing. What do I do about this? And so I do think that's true. It shows up for everyone differently. So I'm really excited we get to talk about it today, especially yeah. starting the new year. This is our first episode of 2022. Um, we're recording this, you know, on the 30th, but yeah, this will come out as our first episode of the new year. And I think it's a good way to start the new year is learning about anxiety and how to master it. Yeah. And I think with any sort of change or new beginning, there's always a little bit of anxiety that comes along with oh, that. Yeah. So I think that this is a good way to start oh, it yeah. off. I'm ter- so I'm pretty bad about adjusting. Same. To ch- we've already discussed this. <laughs> we've hashed it out in the change episode. But I'm pretty bad about adjusting to new things. It's not even like once I'm there, it's like the build up to it. So anticipation, like for, yeah, anticipation of it. Yeah. Like, for example, I know I'm going back to Hawaii next week. And like, I know that I'm going to be completely fine when I get there. But it's just a build up is a little bit uncomfy for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of dealt with that in my life. So I know the new year can bring around a lot of those feelings, you know, like a new semester for some people. Some people might be starting new jobs, yeah. things like that. And the holidays are like such a fun, joyful time. And then you're thrown into like January and you're like, Fuck. The worst two months of the year. Yeah. Sorry, Why? that was negative. Sorry, yeah. The coldest, grayest it's dark. months of the Yeah, year. whatever. When do you think you first started feeling anxiety in your life? Um, I think that probably going from college to adulthood. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that. It was like, I mentioned this in the interview, but it's the first time that you're not on the same page with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like you're not all in school. Like everyone's life starts to look different. Yeah. And that can cause a lot of anxiety and just not knowing like, you know, am I going to get a job? What city am I going to live in? Just it's the unknown. Yeah. So that was kind of the first time I really started feeling anxiety. And honestly, like. I, I talked about this too, but like your early 20s are the hardest part of your life for me, at least. Mm-hmm. That was the time where I just was kind of flailing around, like anxious, didn't really know, you know, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be, who I wanted to be. And so I think that that is just a time that really does get overlooked for a lot of people. But finding the best ways to cope with that, finding a therapist that you really like, that's when I discovered meditation and journaling and started incorporating all of these mindfulness practices into my life that really helped. And then I think that anxiety took on a different form this year. You know, a lot of the things that were our normal were changed. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of change that we went through with our family and just 
that was really hard for me. And it started showing up as racing thoughts. It was hard for me to take a deep breath. I would wake up super anxious. Um, so yeah, I mean, it does change depending yeah. on your what you're going through. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, when I first started feeling anxiety, I was a so I think, you know, we experience anxiety our a lot of our lives, but we don't really we don't really recognize it. Mm-hmm. And I think just until now, people don't really even talk about it that much. So like when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, I didn't really hear a lot about anxiety. People weren't doing podcasts and doing like cute little Instagram reels about how to deal with it. It was kind of like not talked about, Mm -hmm. but I was in a really bad relationship when I was in college and it was just like really unhealthy. And I started developing really bad anxiety because of that. I remember that. And I would call my family and I was like, um, hi, I literally can't breathe. And people were like, oh, take a nap. And I'm like, no, like I literally can't (laughs) breathe. I don't know what to do. Like my, I feel like I'm like reaching for a breath and I'm really overwhelmed. And that's when I really started looking at it. Like, okay, this is more than just stressed. This is more than being worried. And that's when I kind of started seeking help for it. But even at that time, I feel like therapy wasn't as normalized as Mm -hmm. it is now. And I was under the misconception that like, you had to have something really wrong with you to go to therapy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, someone needed to like pass away or something. And I think I'm really grateful that we've also started to normalize, like taking care of yourself more and that it's okay to go to therapy. Even if you just need to talk about, you know, your morning. Yeah. Like that's fine. And having friends that you can be open and honest about this stuff with is a game changer. Yeah. Like for instance, my friend, Rachel, she, Um, Rachel Holman, she is one of my best friends, and we drove back to Nashville from Oxford a couple times together this fall. And just she really is a great person for me to talk to about uh, symptoms that I didn't even know were anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking to her about disassociation and just all these other things. And she was like, hey, I think that you might just be really anxious. Yeah. And we've both been able to recommend, you know, Instagram accounts or therapists to each other. And so just making sure that you have those relationships in your life where you can be open and honest about, you know, what you're going through. Yeah. One of my favorite Instagrams is Honestly Holistic. Oh, I love that one. And she literally, everything she posts is about anxiety. And I feel like sometimes she like reads my mind because I'm like, you know, scrolling and she posts something. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm experiencing. And I think that if anything, I hope this episode resonates with some people the thought that like you're not alone in your anxiety you're not alone in your racing thoughts like I think it's easy when you're feeling like that to be like no one has ever felt like this and then that causes anxiety to think something's like really wrong with you but just knowing that a lot of things you're experiencing are just common symptoms of a pretty common thing yeah there's that that comfort and knowing that someone else is going through it too like I had with Rachel yeah and you we talk about it a lot yeah but I I love how these Instagram accounts and TikTok people are making it normal and Mm -hmm. making it approachable, like doing the videos with the graphics and the words. And I just think that that's really helpful. Yeah. Putting a word and like a name with something just kind of makes it, that's what Sarah J talked about today, but like naming things. Mm -hmm. And so just be like, what is this unknown feeling? Right. I'm never going to feel normal again. Okay. You're fine. And you're going to be fine. Yeah. And we're going to talk about ways to be better Mm -hmm. today i'm just really glad sarah j could join us she's really cute i know i really like she's really sweet i literally was just kind of sitting here like smiling everything she said in her instagram we're gonna tag it in the show notes but her instagram is sarah j gray underscore counselor and she does a lot with like reels and graphics and things that kind of make 
big scary things a little bit less scary yeah and that's what so i like she, about her she's a licensed therapist that is based in oxford mississippi and if you you really should follow her on instagram if you deal with anxiety at all because it's really really helpful yeah and um i think a lot of people who listen to this are in oxford and like maybe going to Ole miss so if you're looking for someone to kind of start seeing or talk to she's located in oxford and I can't recommend therapy enough. Yeah. It I really mean, it has is, changed my it life. It can be expensive, yes, and it's time consuming, but it is a thousand percent worth it because think about all the stupid shit you spend money on, like going out to dinner every night or whatever, but that's something that you're actually bettering yourself for the long run with. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So before we start talking with Sarah J. Gray, that's such a cute name. I, know, too. I love that. It really flows. Let's talk about our week also psych we recorded this episode together we told y'all we weren't gonna have any more together but we lied because we ended up being together again yeah but we have a lot going on this week and this really is our last episode to record together i hate to say but Allie, what is your high and low from the week so i'm gonna start with my low so i can end on the high all right but my low is that I'm very sad because the Revivalist oh. New Year's Eve show in New Orleans so was bad. canceled yesterday. Heartbreak. And I'm really, really bummed about it. And I had to be the one to drop the news. So over COVID. Yeah. Someone was like, haha, I was going to the Revivalist concert. And I was like, oh, did you sell your tickets? They're like, I oh, know they canceled. And I was like, what? So yeah, shout out to the Revivalist. <laughs> They rescheduled for May. <laughs> yeah, in May, May twenty fourth, we might get to see them. Whatever, it's a buzzkill. Um, sure. It was just a letdown. Letdown. But anyways, um, okay, I have a high. Okay, that this is like a a minor high, like it's still a high, but just something small that really made my week better. I discovered this new I am affirmation on YouTube, and I've been listening to it the past few mornings, and I think it's the best one I've ever listened to before. I really love it. And I'm making a commitment to listen to it once a day throughout the month of January. Love. And I just – I really like it. I'll link it so you guys yeah. can listen too. Um, I would say my low of the week – I mean, I don't even know what day it is. What day is it? Thursday. Thursday? Yeah. Okay. So my high – I'm going to start with my high actually. My high of the week was that my friend Glenn had her debutante ball in Greenville, South Carolina – this week, um, it had been postponed like two years because of COVID. So we finally got to do it. Um, and it was just a really good reason for all of my friends to come together and be with each other. We hadn't really all been together like that since graduation, basically, since um, that. So that was a high. The low was that I think the low was the drive was seven hours, basically. <laughs> and shout out to Perry. We did it. We were only there for two nights, so we basically did the drive back to back, which was pretty tough. Yeah, I just think my low is that, and Christmas being over <clears> too. But you know, it's fine. We gotta move on. I have another high I forgot to mention. Okay, so my therapist, speaking of, told me that I need to start integrating my inner child more. And so when I was younger, I used to love to paint. So I started painting this week again, mm-hmm. and it's been something really fun. And I woke up this morning and. Um, went out to the my parents' gazebo, and it was just a really kind of hazy, moody morning. I don't know. And I just made my coffee and painted, yeah. and I really enjoyed that. That was a high for me. Yeah. And my low was just like my weird anxiety spell last night. But yeah. I didn't sleep very good. But I think that I often like experience more anxiety when I am exhausted, and that yeah. happens to me a lot because we constantly run and – 
Yeah. So what is something that you're excited about? I'm actually going to go first. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited because although the revival is canceled, we are going to New Orleans tomorrow for New Year's Eve and the Sugar Bowl. And I'm just really excited. If you know me, you know I love football. I'm so stoked I get to see two Ole Miss games since I've been home. I went to the Vandy game. I thought I was only going to see one. And turns out we're going to the Sugar Bowl. So Yay. I get to see two and just be – I haven't been to New Orleans in forever. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. What about you? I'm excited about that too. Yeah. Also, I'm just excited for a new year. I'm ready to shut the book on 2021. Yeah. And go into 2022 and – I'm doing whole 30. I'm excited. Just just kind of do a big reset. Something that our family has decided to implement into this year. So the past few years, like 2020 specifically and 2021, um, our family's been like, oh my gosh, like New Year's. 2020 is like a number that is was kind of special to our family. Like my mom's <laughs> favorite show growing up was called like 2020 or something. So more of the story, we like thought 2020 would be our year because like our family number. <laughs> and yeah, that went downhill real quick. And so then. Also like Luna died, COVID. Yeah. Luna was our dog. Like, it, just, it was like things just back to that. We had to put our dog down in January. Then we got hit. Like it was just like a lot. So then we get to 2021, like last New Year's, which was pretty lit. We were in Miami and that was really fun. Oh, yeah. But we're, I like, loved last New Year's. We were like, oh my gosh, like this, this will be our year. We're like, you know what? We've always like liked odd years better than even and then this year kind of was tough too in its own very special unique ways so 2022 we have no expectations for you none literally none you can be good you can be bad you can be great you can be horrible and we don't care it's just another year it's just a year just a year. we're gonna live it not putting any energy yeah like <laughs> any, zero expectations i don't hope for it to be good or bad just it's just we are be, setting our positive intentions but yeah. No pressure at 2022. It doesn't have to be our year. <laughs> I think we've been putting too much pressure on the years. So we just want 2022 to know that, you know, to go do your thing. Yeah. You don't have to crumble under our expectations. Yes. Speaking of expectations, I think that's something that we touch on during this interview. Expectations of yourself and perfectionism. I know that's something I struggle with and that can be a big factor in anxiety and I'm just, I really love this episode and yeah. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. I'm really, really glad that Sarah J could join us today. I think just so much good insight for the new year and how to battle anxiety like the kings and queens we are. So without further ado, we're going to welcome Sarah J Gray to Go Cruise. So tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to becoming a therapist. I went to undergrad and grad school at Ole Miss. And so at Ole Miss, I didn't really know what to major in. I was just thinking, okay, I'm going to go into nursing or um, I'm going to go into um, a helping profession. Okay, we'll just say a helping profession. And then um, I ended up with social work. And so I did a social work undergraduate degree. And through that, ended up in the counselor education master's program at Ole Miss. And I felt like I found my spot, you know, that this is exactly what I was looking for, the helping profession without the whole sciencey medical side of it. And so that was a better fit for me. And um, I love 
working with college students now, um, but I have been a school counselor and I have worked with Ole Miss students specifically, and now I'm in private practice at Thrive, and um, it's it's a perfect spot for me right now in this phase of life, um, being in private practice at Thrive, and I mostly work with young adults and college women um, and all the issues that pop up during those years. <laughs> many, many issues. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I loved when um, I found your Instagram page and we'll link it below, but your Instagram page is so interactive, you know, mm-hmm. compared to like any that I've ever seen it. I feel like it resonated with me. You know, you're posting like the reels and the graphics and stuff. And I was like, that is such a good way to make kind of therapy more approachable. Cause totally. I feel like people are like, I don't, I'm not going through a big crisis. I don't need to go mm-hmm. to therapy. And I saw your page. I was like, no, this is just I feel like it really resonates with people my Mm -hmm. age, you know, college students. So, yeah, well, I'm so glad. And um, I learned so much from my clients um, for sure. But also it's like I've been there. I have been there, done that. And if I can do anything to help relieve some of those growing pains and help guide during those confusing times, Um, you know, that's when I feel, you know, a sense of self-worth and like I'm in the right spot. Um, so I'm so glad that resonates with you because I remember being there and, you know, now social media, everything is like, oh, college, you know, rainbows and butterflies, but there's a whole nother side to college that doesn't get talked about that much. And, and then even in young adulthood, you know, we seem to sort of idealize a lot of it. And there's some tough stuff that goes on in those years. And it's important to address those and talk about them in a more relatable way. I mean, if I can add humor into anything, I am, you know, about that too. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think that my young 20s, my early 20s were, that was the hardest point of my life, I think. Because you do, you have all these expectations on yourself. And then it's also the first time that you're not on the same page with everyone. Like, you know, going through school and college, like everyone's pretty much in the same boat. And then you get out and everyone's doing different things and going down different paths. And you start comparing yourself to Mm -hmm. everyone and just spiraling. And it's really hard. Absolutely. And those early um, adulthood years, those 20 years, it's such this transitional phase and time in life. It, it, feel, it just feels like everything is so temporary and fast moving and making huge decisions that are going to impact the rest of your life. And, you know, you talked about expectations of yourself and then it's all those other expectations that accidentally get in there too. Parents' expectations, your friends' expectations, your peers' expectations of you. And it just is, it gets really foggy. It's kind of like, wait, what do I want? What What's working actually best for me? Because we're looking through this filter of everybody else's expectations. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to see, you know, what it is that we are looking for, or what our goals are, because we have that piece. It's just natural to compare ourselves or to want to make our parents proud or whatever the case is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we're talking about anxiety today because first, this is going to be our first episode of the new year. I think it's a great way to start out the new year because I was a sophomore at Ole Miss when I first started having like anxiety Mm -hmm. to the point where I realized like, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. This uh, this is not normal. Just kind of like, you know, worry or stress, like something's kind of up. And I think 
in college, we run so hard. Mm -hmm. Like we do so many things Mm -hmm. and my body was always worn down. It started scaring me. I was like, I think something's like wrong with me. And when I realized like, okay, no, like it's anxiety. It's more common than we think. There's way, lots of ways to help. I realized, okay, you know, I'm not dying. Like this isn't, this isn't something crazy wrong. So I'm really excited to to talk about this today and um, hopefully get to help some people who maybe have been dealing with it too. And they don't really know where to begin. So like Bird said, we both deal with anxiety. So can you go over kind of the common symptoms of anxiety and then how it can show up in ways that can be maybe mistaken for something else? Sure, sure. So when we talk about anxiety in the therapy world, the defini- a loose definition we use is that it's intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations But the issue is that it is more intense than it should be for that situation. And so 40 million people experience anxiety. So you're exactly right. You're not alone. But most people don't get treatment for it. And the good news is it is treatable. We do, like you said, have many ways to treat anxiety. Um, There's lots of different approaches and to find an approach that works for you is what's important. Um, Just to keep looking for that thing that you resonate with. Um, But anxiety is all about that mind-body connection. And we can't really remove those. And that's why often we do mistake anxiety for something else. Um, You mentioned, okay, nothing's wrong with me. I'm not sick. Um, I'm not dying. And, you know, that's a common thing. You know, am I having a heart attack um, with my heart racing or I'm sweating or I can't sleep? Um, Or maybe you're having stomach cramps or headaches. And so these things show up. And so we do sometimes think I have this medical issue going on. Something's wrong with my body. Um, And it is, but it's a symptom of our mind, the anxiety that's running, that's triggering, triggering that amygdala in our brain. And our amygdala is sending us those warning signs like, hey, something's up. You know, we need to address this. And so lots of time we are focused on, oh, I can't sleep. And we're taking sleep medication or, you know, whatever it is. But really, if we address the anxiety that's causing that, that in turn will help with things like sleep or help with the things like the headaches. Um, Or maybe we have so much anxiety, um, we can't eat or maybe we're overeating, you know. And so we have all of these physical or medical symptoms that oftentimes are from the anxiety. And we sometimes try to treat those instead of treating the cause. And so it is important to be curious about, hey, when do I experience this? Um, What's going on when I'm experiencing this? What environment am I in when I'm experiencing this? And really trying to pinpoint Um, what is going on? And is this that I'm not sleeping? Or is this something more? Is this that I'm having headaches and something's going on medically? Or is this anxiety and stress that's causing this for me? And I think it's just important to know, um, you know, what's going on with our body and just to know yourself and think, okay, something is up. I need to reach out. So, When you recognize that you are starting to feel anxious, what are some steps that you can take to kind of find relief? What would you suggest for people who feel that kind of starting up in their life? Sure. And some of the 
go-to are breathing techniques, you know, and there are dozens of breathing techniques out there um, for in the moment when you're feeling that anxiety bubbling up. Um, But finding like one that you like to master is really ideal. And, you know, if you pick a different one every time, fine. But who's going to sit there and remember, oh, I need to Google a new breathing technique, you know, so finding one that you can master. Do you have a favorite? We're really into breathing. We're big, we're big breathers. Okay, great. I love um, just sort of a progressive relaxation. I always realize I clench my jaw when I'm stressed out. And so I'll say, okay, let me relax my brow. I'm going to lower my jaw, remove my tongue from the roof of my mouth. Lower my shoulders from my ears. We're doing it right now. (laughs) And then I'll take a few deep breaths and kind of bring me back, you know, to that moment. Um, Science backed, we know that five deep breaths will help reduce our blood pressure, will help reduce our heart rate, will get our thinking brain back online. So starting with just five deep breaths, nothing complicated. And there are some pretty complicated ones out there, you know, but that one's pretty easy to remember. Five deep breaths and sort of relaxing from the top down um, is helpful for me. That's kind of my go-to. And I love anything that's science-backed, you know, evidence-based is what I'm always looking for, for myself and my clients. Um, And then in addition to breathing, therapists are always recommending grounding techniques um, to bring you back to the, I see, you know, you nod in your head that you are familiar with that too. And that makes me, my therapist heart swell that y'all already know that, but um, grounding techniques are a big one too. And again, there's hundreds of grounding techniques out there, Uh, but grounding techniques are really about bringing you to the here and now, turning our emotional brain down and our thinking brain back up. And so a grounding technique is really trying to get you out of that spiral that we feel sort of out of control when our anxiety kicks in. So one breathing technique that I love and my clients seem to attach to as well, because it's so easy, is alphabet animals. And it sounds pretty juvenile and um, childish. And that's because it is. We need to tap into something really easy when our brain is um, you know, in that anxious state. So alphabet animals is listing an animal with every letter of the alphabet and seeing how far you can get, you know, A, alligator, B, bear, C, cat, D, dingo, you know, going through the alphabet and listing an animal with those letters. You can use a different animal every time. Hopefully you're going to make yourself giggle and smile a little bit. Um, and what's happening is we're getting our thinking brain back online and turning that emotional response down. We can't turn it off, but turning it down will help us and allow us to uh, sort of reset. And once we get um, that thinking brain back online using breathing and grounding, then it's time to be curious. So once that thinking brain is back online, being curious, like what symptoms did I notice? What environment was I in? Who was I around? You know, trying to identify those triggers and those symptoms. And that can help you kind of decide what steps do I need to take for myself to relieve some of this anxiety so that next time maybe I don't go so far down the spiral. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am a big fan of breathing and breath work. Two of my favorite techniques are taking like a full circle breath. Mm-hmm. So not stopping at the top or bottom of the breath, just doing a complete big inhale and expanding from your stomach and then exhaling it all out in one motion. And then I also like the box breathing. So mm-hmm. like four by four box breaths where you breathe in for four, hold it for four, breathe out for four, <clears throat> hold it at the bottom. I think both of those are really helpful. Yeah, I had, I'm a big grounder. Um, and I've learned that literally just in the past like month, because I started having disassociation, which I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize was a symptom of anxiety. And I think that it's something that can seem really scary because mm-hmm. when it happens to you, you're like, you know, my heart isn't racing. I'm not, I'm sleeping fine. Like what is the symptom? And mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of symptoms of anxiety that people don't talk about as often as others. And so what, grounding. What, what is disassociation? Can you talk a little bit about that? I would call it um, sort of an out-of-body experience. You almost feel like you're watching yourself. Is that how you feel, Sarah Caroline, when you have yeah, this? I felt like I was going, or maybe like, you know, depersonalization is mm-hmm. another word for it, but mm-hmm. I was going through the motions of my day but I wasn't really feeling like I was really present or there for any of it. I would get to the end of the day and I was like, I don't remember five things I did today. I'd be on a walk and I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions. And I think my therapist told me that it's a symptom of, you know, suppressing a lot of feelings and not feeling your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got into grounding. And something that she suggested was like, uh, name five things you Mm -hmm. see four things you hear or three things you smell until you bring yourself back into that moment. And that mm-hmm. really helped me a lot. Is that kind of what you would say? Absolutely. And and it is about bringing yourself back to the present moment and kind of going through the motions of life, you know, sort of that zombie state. Like we did it all, but we weren't actually present. We weren't actually engaged in our own lives. And that happens often, especially when you're overstimulated and your body just is literally like, okay, tapped out, done. I mean, I have to get this done. I'm going to go through the motions, but I'm not at a point where I can fully express this or take this on. So I'm going to just check out for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happens to me a lot because I'm an overworker. Like I'll run myself to the point of complete exhaustion and that's when it starts to kick in. And I start following some Instagram accounts and like going to therapy and things like that. And when I realized that it was a symptom of anxiety, it almost made it better because I was like, I'm not the only one in the world Mm -hmm. who is experiencing this. Mm -hmm. And there's almost like comfort in knowing that you're not alone in that. So grounding was a big reason that that Mm -hmm. was kind of resolved for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that I learned those techniques. Yeah. And that five, four, three, two, one is that method you're talking about. Um, Five things you can see, four things you can um, hear or touch or, um, you know, we're tapping into all of those senses. It's um, hearing, seeing, feeling, taste, smell. And so tapping into those senses of that moment um, help you kind of come to. And so that five, four, three, two, one is so helpful. So how do you know when it's time to get on medication for anxiety? Because sometimes those methods aren't enough. And Mm -hmm. to be fully transparent, I actually decided to go on anxiety medicine this year. But can you talk a little bit about when to know or how you would know when that's something that you should do? Absolutely. Uh, Medicine can be so helpful, you know, when you're going through 
stressful times. And a lot of times medication is going to be um, temporary. You know, you so relieving some anxiety about, um, oh, if I get on medication, I always have to be on medication. And that's not necessarily true. Um, but when your symptoms start interfering with your ability um, to complete your daily task, that's a good indication to talk to your therapist, find a doctor, um, to talk about the different options in medication and what might be good for you. Um, because we need you to be able to function in your day-to-day life so that you can learn new coping skills, so that you can begin to deal with whatever your anxiety triggers are. And sometimes medication gives us just enough clarity to be able to address those things. And um, so it's kind of like the belt and suspenders approach, you know, going to therapy to process and, you know, seeking out medication from a medical professional so that you have the clarity um, to do that in therapy. Um, And there's just, I would say, do your research, Um, you know, look into the medication, ask your doctor and pharmacist questions. Um, If something's not working or you're not feeling right on a medication, speak up, you know, let them know that until you find the medication and the dose um, that works for you, because we are all different and medication um, has different side effects for everybody. And so you do just want to go in to it knowing what your options are and knowing that it's going to be important to uh, be transparent with your providers and let them know um, how you're feeling on the medicine and what side effects you're having so that you can kind of make a team decision on where to go from there. But definitely when that uh, when your anxiety is starting to keep you from, um, you know, kind of completing your daily task is kind of a good indication to reach out and get some support. Yeah. For me, it was, I, it was really interfering with my sleep. I would wake Mm -hmm. up with heart racing just in a panic for no reason. And then also I was just during the day, I was having a hard time breathing. My chest would get really tight all of a sudden. And then I would get very stressed out thinking about like my to-do list and like all of these things Mm -hmm. that shouldn't really send you into that level of anxiety. And then I would just kind of shut down and I wouldn't get through any of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you can't follow through with the stuff you need to do in a day, I mean, this, that's no good. There's no sense in suffering. You know, we've got to reach out for help. We've got to find something that works for you. Absolutely. You know, when you're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm struggling just to do my normal day to day, you know, that's kind of those red flags and those sirens going off like, okay, time to reach out. Yeah. And I think that's really comforting to hear and know because there can be a lot. I think as of now, we're moving into this time like therapy and Mm -hmm. medications are getting a little bit more normalized. It's like cool to take care of yourself. But I think for a while there, people thought, you know, that means that like I'm really off the wall. No, like maybe you're just working through something. You're fine. It's temporary fix and you're not going to be on it for the rest of your life, you know, for the most part. So that's really that's really good to know. Yeah. So what are some ways that we can silence our inner critic? I know that's a big thing for people our age. 
Sure. Uh, so building awareness is important. Sometimes we don't even realize we're talking to ourselves all day, right? Like this little voice in our heads. And so just building the awareness, listen to that voice and decide, you know, what's the tone of voice? Um, is it a voice that's familiar to you? A lot of people say, oh, I hear like my mom's voice nagging in my ear all day, you know? So what does that inner critic sound like? What kind of language are they using? What's the tone of voice? So stop and kind of um, create some awareness around that um, and also distance yourself um, from that. And one way to do it is to give it a name. My inner critic, I have named her Gertrude. I'm like, Gertrude, hush. You know, I'm not dealing with you today. Um, you're full of lies, Gertrude. You're trying to bring me down, you know, so naming your inner critic, because then it, it, it does distance yourself. It's not me thinking those things. It is this outside influence. And I can choose whether I'm going to listen to this outside influence. So give it a name, you know, come up with a name that works for you. Um, you can borrow mine, Gertrude, until you come up with something you like. But and just show yourself some kindness and compassion. Um, our inner critic, you know, it's called critic, you know, it's usually pretty negative. And so stop and ask yourself, hey, would I talk to a friend this way? You know, would I, listen how hard I'm being on myself. I, I need to show myself more kindness. I need to be a little more gentle. Um, I'm going to talk to myself like I would talk to a friend. You know, we just wouldn't put a friend down like that. You know, we wouldn't be so harsh with a friend, so judgmental with a friend. And that's how we should approach things with ourselves as well. And one thing I tell people to do, I'm like, imagine yourself as a little child, you know, this younger version of yourself and take care of them. Take care of this little child, this inner self that you have, um, you know, listen to them. What is it that they're needing? What are they asking for? You know, how can you help them? and comfort them. And so thinking about yourself as a little child and speaking to yourself kindly, um, like you're still learning. You know, we kind of speak, gosh, why'd I do that? I messed up. Well, maybe it's the first we've done it. You know, we all have to practice. Everybody does things for the first time, you know, and uh, I'll do better next time. It's going to take some practice. And so talking to yourself like you're a child and um, is helpful sometimes. And I would say challenge that inner critic. Say, hang on, wait a minute, Gertrude. I'm not a failure. Yeah, I made some mistakes. And now next time I'm going to know a little bit better um, and I'm going to make some um, different choices. So definitely challenge that inner voice. And if, you're, if your inner voice says, I'm a failure, uh, maybe it's like, hang on, but I succeeded this and this and this. Maybe this area was just something I'm still working on. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that inner critic is something that I've struggled with in the past. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's also linked to anxiety because when you start to hear these things or, you know, you start to believe these things that aren't even true, it can trigger anxiety of like, oh, why did I not do this right? Or why did I say that? And then you're just overthinking and it just sends you down that path. But one thing that really helped me were affirmations. Mm -hmm. I still start my morning every morning listening to affirmations that I find either on a podcast or on Insight Timer or on YouTube. I think that's a good way just to ground yourself in truth. So making it a habit. So then those are the thoughts that start to come up and not the negative inner critic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
you know, it's, it's something like we have um, around 50,000 thoughts a day on average, and the majority of them are negative. And so it's easy for those negative ones to be more sticky and to like attach. And so sometimes we have to really push through those negative thoughts and think, hang on, wait a minute, I'm being really hard on myself. And this actually, you know, isn't the truth. And I am challenging this. And um, I just think it's important to kind of know that about ourselves that we have the tendency to go to negative places and it takes a little more effort to find some of those positive thoughts because there's less of them usually um, in our head, in our brain. And so we have to really seek them out and search for them. Yeah. When I started kind of learning more about like self-talk and your inner critic and I started separating the two, you know, saying that's not why, why am I thinking that? Like that is not true. And like shut it out, you know, put my therapist helped me come up with the way um, like putting a little like box, you know, in your mm-hmm. brain, you put it away, you put it in there and you don't, you don't acknowledge it anymore. And those are kind of, and that, that's kind of when you realize like these thoughts, that's not from you. That's just kind of like a dialogue going on. You can shut it down at any time. And that's mm-hmm. such a, for me, that was a game changer. And just like, you know, you should be talking to yourself, like you should be your best friend. You should be mm-hmm. hyping yourself up mm-hmm. the same way that we would hype up, you know, our best friends, our mm-hmm. family members. Why don't we give ourselves that same grace? And when you start to realize that, you can kind of start shifting. So what are some practices that we can incorporate into 2022, mm-hmm. the new year, to prevent anxiety? Okay, so I like this question, especially for the new year, right? And so going into the new year, you know, we hear a lot about self-care and it's become almost this buzzword and I don't even know. I'm not sure if I like the self-care word, but behind it, I would say is um, preventative care for anxiety. Time management and routine is really helpful when you suffer with anxiety. Keeping a planner kind of with that time management and routine, a planner is super helpful with anxiety. You have a place to Put your tasks for the day. You have a place to write down things so that you can remember them. And it's not just another tab running in your brain all the time. Okay, I wrote that down. I can close that tab in my brain that was draining me of so much energy. Um, And so writing those down in a planner is really helpful. Keeping that routine. Okay, every morning I check my planner and each evening I check my planner for the next day. And so that alone helps relieve some anxiety. So if you're not using a planner, I strongly suggest trying one out and seeing how it works for you. Um, Just with all the things you need to do in a day or if things are coming up for you, or maybe you're constantly feeling like I have so much to do today that I'm never going to get it all done. Like how am I? And then when you actually write it down, you're like, wait, this is actually pretty doable for the day. My brain was just causing the stimulation um, and really it's doable. I can do this once I write it down and see it on paper. Um, something else I would suggest kind of going into the new year um, is integrating some mindfulness into your lives. So like I said, you know, we have around 70,000 thoughts a day and a lot of them are negative thoughts. So mindfulness, the kind of definition I work from for mindfulness is about slowing down and being quiet enough that you can hear yourself. Sometimes we're just speeding through life and like getting all this stuff done and all these tasks, all these tasks, all these, our to-do list, our to-do list. 
But if slowing down is going to help actually hear, what are we thinking? What are our needs? You know, what do I need right now? And so those moments of mindfulness and slowing down can really help us connect with our inner self and, you know, slow down the rat race that we're going through every day. Um, Another um, technique I would suggest is practicing gratitude. Um, I don't know if that is something you guys are already doing, but um, practicing gratitude is a science-backed method for helping um, because it helps us seek out those positive, joyful moments. And so we get more in the habit of looking for those. And so we are replacing the habit of the negative thought spiraling by increasing searching for those moments of gratitude, those moments of joy. So practicing gratitude, using a planner, and definitely adding in some mindfulness in your day, I think are some small steps to start in sort of living this, you know, calm, more calm, I should say, life. An easy way that I've found to practice gratitude is to set a timer. Um, Maybe it's for three minutes, five minutes, however much time you have, just either in the morning, right when you wake up, or during the day when you start to have those racing thoughts or you start to hear your inner critic a little bit louder. um, Mm -hmm. It just kind of resets you and brings you back into, like you said, that state of gratitude and joy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's such a good idea with the timer or a reminder, you know, setting at the same time every day. And the same is true with practicing your breathing and grounding techniques. Yeah, they're great when you're in an anxious moment, but they work even better as, as sort of a multivitamin and doing them every day, whether you need them or not. So if you're doing those breathing techniques and grounding techniques and practicing gratitude, you know, at certain times every day before you need them, it's sort of like go into practice and being ready for the game, you know, so practicing those every day so that when those anxious times kick in, our brain says, oh, we know what to do. We've been practicing this every day. So it's helpful to do those things even when you don't need them. And so it's a more preventative care. That's kind of what I would challenge people to do, to adding adding in some of those small shifts for that preventative care um, rather than I'm going to wait till I'm at my rock bottom and then I'm going to try this breathing thing people are talking about. Well, that's really hard time to add that in, you know? And so when we're being more uh, mindful and when we are choosing to integrate those things um, a little bit each day, it makes it more sustainable um, rather than saying, oh, well, right now, um, you know, my life is a disaster. Now's the time to add in all this stuff, you know? I like that. Looking at it like a multivitamin. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I think same with meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, I so I find myself meditating when I was just absolutely a wreck. <laughs> and then when I started meditating on good days, I was like, so much easier to find my Zen. Like I was already feeling good and now I'm feeling great. So I think just absolutely. I think that's so true. So this is very, I guess this I don't know if I could, this could apply to me as much. This will definitely apply to I'm me. I'm about to go back to Hawaii, so you take I go it. through this every uh-huh. year. How can we avoid the winter blues? January mm. and February are not my friends. Man, 
February just seems like the worst, right? Oh my gosh. (laughs) What is up with February? But yeah, so seasonal affective disorder is actually a real diagnosis. And you don't have to be diagnosed with this though, to suffer from some of the side effects of shorter days and cold winter months. Um, And so I think the winter blues are something um, a lot of us deal with, myself included. Um, And so it's really important to just prepare, I would say, prepare for the winter. And so how we can do that is um, a few steps that would make it easier, like increasing our light intake. And so because the days are shorter, we're naturally getting less exposure to sunlight, which has natural vitamins and releases those happy hormones for us. And so when that's reduced, the natural um, positive effects of it is also reduced. So increasing that sunlight. And if you can't get outside, um, there are things called happy lamps. So look into happy lamps. We're sitting (laughs) sitting next to one right now. My dad got our mom one for Christmas and it's called the happy light. I need to get one. We'll link this one below, but. It's a, I feel like it'd be a game changer. I mean, definitely. And so if you're in an office all day, depending on where you are, obviously, Sarah Caroline, you're in Hawaii, you know, um, we're all a little bit jealous of that, I'm sure. But if you're stuck behind a desk, you know, getting that um, happy lamp out and increasing your exposure to sunlight is helpful. And so something else you can make sure that you're doing is um, properly fueling your body. Uh, We have the tendency to eat more fruits and vegetables and um, that kind of thing in the warmer, prettier months. And so being aware that in the colder, wintery months, those, that nutrition is important for our body too. And so it's a little bit harder to find and um, we have to be a little bit more intentional about getting those into our diet, but probably fueling our body is important in those winter months, um, making sure that we're continuing those activities that we loved. Um, so if you were playing um, uh, maybe tennis outside, well, maybe we've got to figure out a way to do that. So try and pickleball, which we can do inside, you know, so being creative with how can I still get the stimulation that I was getting um, with maybe trying a new activity or being creative with how you're enjoying that activity and making sure that you are reaching out when you're struggling. I always tell people when you feel like withdrawing, that's your sign you need to reach out. And so that's something that I find myself doing in the winter months. I want to retreat. I want to withdraw, um, cancel plans, don't go anywhere. But really, that's the time I need to be reaching out. I'm seeking that connection. I'm seeking that you know injection of fun and joy um, or whatever the plans were. And so making sure you are reaching out when you're feeling like withdrawing and letting someone know if you're struggling because um, that connection can be helpful too. Um, during the winter months. And so the last thing I would say is just those common mood boosters. So listening to mood boosting music, whatever that is for you, or making sure you've got your favorite scents going, um, you know, making sure you're surrounding yourself with things in your environment that bring you joy, plants, you know, whatever that is, finding little ways to bring nature or certain scents 
or um, beachy tunes and music into your life, even during those winter months is important. This is kind of a... um similar to the sense, but so I think it was last like January and February, my roommate Libby, she told me about this lotion she had been using and it's the Johnson Johnson purple baby lotion. And she was like, I think I was kind of struggling with some anxiety um, and just kind of like, you know, winter blues. And she was like, I swear, like, I don't know what it is with this lotion I put on before I sleep and it helps me sleep better. And so I've used it for like months. Like I always use it for bed and I put it on my Instagram story the other day and I was like, I know this sounds weird, but like this lotion, um, it's like amazing when you feel like just and this nurse, she slid up on my story and she's like, I'm an ER nurse. And this is actually true. Like the smell uh-huh the calming smell of like a baby is we have it in the nurse's lounge and we always use it on night shifts. So things like smells, you know, before bed, like your favorite Mm -hmm. candle, things like that. Mm -hmm. That's a big way to kind of like get that serotonin boost that you might not be getting from like basking in the sun all day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How can we create or simulate those same vibes that we're getting during the warmer months, during the winter months? And um, definitely our senses are a big way to do that. Yeah, I love that Brazilian bum bum cream yes. because oh, it smells like the beach and makes me think of being out in the sun. But yeah, I am big about retreating in the winter. I just, it's cold outside. I don't want to leave mm-hmm. the house. But luckily, I live with the world's biggest extrovert. So shout out to Vivian for getting me out and about in January and February because if it was up to me, I would stay home and take a bath every night. Yeah, my biggest thing was just like planning little things, you know, like, Okay, Tuesday night, let's we're gonna do a girls' night and we're gonna watch a movie and or we're gonna watch The Bachelor and we're gonna make cookies. Like things that throughout the week you can look forward mm-hmm. to. That kind of helped mm-hmm. me get through, you know, the colder months yeah. where it's not as happy and there's not as many things going on. Cause especially if you're a college student listening to this, you know, in the fall you have football games and, and this and that and rush and all these things are going on. The spring kind of slows mm-hmm. a little bit. And you're like, Whoa. Yeah. I was so busy. Like, what's happening? And so that's when you can kind of start to feel that, you know, you're in your head a little bit more. So that helped me a lot when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what are some of your favorite resources about dealing with anxiety? Are there any podcasts that you listen to or books or apps that are helpful for you? I find a lot of my clients' anxiety often comes with perfectionism. I don't know if you feel that um, too. Um, And so I always suggest a Brene Brown book, The Gifts of Imperfection. And yes, Queen Brene. And so I would start there and she has some great podcasts, Unlocking Us podcasts, but that Gifts of Imperfection, and there's even a workbook that you can go through it and kind of, you know, use that to guide you through the book and she has a podcast where she talks to her sister, you know, similar to you guys talk to her sister in just a real way about how um, imperfection is uh, or perfectionism is showing up in their lives and causing problems. But I do love um, Brene Brown and I would say that she's a good, good go-to resource. And then I follow a couple different Instagram accounts, you know, that help me and, I think that it's important to make sure that your social media feed is helpful, not hurtful. And so making sure you're following those accounts that resonate with you and 
there's lots of anxiety um, account based accounts out there. And so I would say kind of look for those and people who are in similar mindset or stage of life as you are. And I love um, looking at um, there's a book called Rewiring the Anxious Brain. Um, it's a good one to start as well. And it has lots of resources within it to direct you to more books if you're a reader. My favorite, um, one of my favorite ang- books for anxiety is Max Licato, Anxious for uh, Nothing. Yes. Our dad gave it Love to that. us for Christmas last year. I think since I got it for Christmas last year, I read it like Christmas. Oh, it's a good so one. This year was kind of a doozy. I just kept reading <laughs> it over. But it's such a good one. Um, it's one of those books that I just leave around and I'll just pick, pick up it and up, open yeah. to a random page and read it. And whatever it is, I'll walk away. Just yeah. I calm. always recommend that book to my friends because it talks about, you know, what the Bible says about anxiety, mm-hmm. which I feel like isn't discussed mm-hmm. as much like on, you know, social media and everything. So that's one of my recommendations, but I'll have to read. That is really true about perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I think, especially with me, I'm a type three on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So I, that really resonates with me. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me know what you think. It's a good one for sure. Yeah. All right. So we like to end the interview by asking, um, is there a mantra or an affirmation that you are using right now or that you would recommend for our listeners going into 2022? Okay. I'm big on values. You know, New Year's is coming up and people love to set New Year's resolutions. I'll throw a little statistic in there of the people who set New Year's resolutions, 90% of them do not meet their New Year's resolution. So I think don't do that to yourself. Just just don't set the New Year's resolution is my take on that. And instead, set your values is what I would say. And there's lots of lists of values out there. I often do a little values guide with people. How do I set my values? And values should be changing as much as you do. Um, you shouldn't have the same values from high school. Once you get a career, you shouldn't have your same values from college. Um, so I'm really big on values. And I'm happy to send over that little guide on setting your values, if that would be helpful. But I think that the mantra that I sort of stick with myself and come back to each year um, and the new year is a good reminder is, does my behavior align with my values? And so I just kind of ask myself that, or does this decision align with my values? And so when I'm approached with a big decision in life, or when I catch myself reverting to unhelpful patterns, I stop and ask myself, does this align with my values that I've set for myself? And so not necessarily an affirmation, I guess I could change it into one that my actions and behavior will align with my values. And so just making sure that I am choosing behavior that matches what I'm um, saying my values are. I love that. And I think that's great for people that maybe have anxiety around making decisions. Absolutely. And looking back at those values and knowing that every decision is, is just, it's just a choice. And as soon as it stops working for you, you get to make a new choice. You know, it's all temporary. And this is a good decision for me right now. And when it stops working for me, I'll make a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We were just talking about um, in our last episode, you know, so what was it? New Year's um, intentions, intention mm-hmm. instead of resolutions. Cause you know, I'm not 
I've never kept a New Year's resolution. I'm part of that 90%. Sure. So um, <laughs> it is a lot, you know, and also like your values might be different. My January value might be a little bit different than my May values because we're fighting the cold right now. So it's, it is like adjustable. And I think that's such a good thing for people. Yeah. And I heavy. think like be flexible, you know, yeah. like you should give yourself the permission to change your values whenever you need to, you know, change those values whenever you need to, um, you know, new phase in life, new values, you know, um, maybe our relationship is ended, new values, you know, um, kind of like that fresh start whenever you need it. Let me reset my values, you know, let me get my stuff together. Let me pull out that list of values and choose the ones that are working for me right now. Absolutely. So uh, the last thing that we do is a would you rather question. Okay. Would you rather? Do you have a would you rather? Yeah. Okay. All right. So would you rather have a pause button or rewind button in your life? Hmm. Um, I would rather have the pause button. Mm-hmm. You know, especially this conversation about anxiety, that rewind button yeah. could get dangerous. I think, yeah. you know, um, thinking about, oh, I should have said something different or why didn't I say something, you know, why didn't I do this or that? So I would go with the pause button, you know, that nanosecond pause that will allow us to respond rather than react. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping for that pause button. I'm going to go with the pause button as well. I feel like, you know, you're you're thinking about like reaction. I'm thinking about napping. I'm like, <laughs> if I could just pause and like take a quick little nap, we'll just start right back. But I do think a pause button would be really nice. Just a time to take like a little breath and then, you know, but like if you were to get technical, it's like, is, is my pause like unlimited time or is it like 20 seconds? You always get so technical. I know. I'm very technical with you rather. So <laughs> I, I agree with you with the pause button. What about you? I think I'm going to go with rewind and I'm going to get technical on this for a second, but I wouldn't want it to change anything if you did re- rewind and go back to a moment. I would just, you know, want it to go right back into the real life or real time. But I do think that sometimes I personally don't realize that I'm having like a really happy or like mm. really, you know, good moment until it's over, mm. which sounds really sad. Yeah. But like just being able to go back and be like, oh, I was really happy in that moment. Like, let me just go back really quick. Yeah. yeah. So practicing that gratitude coming in place, yeah. you know, being more mindful and being more present in our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many times where I'm like living in a moment and I know that I'm going to miss it you mm-hmm. know, while I'm living in it. And I'm like, yeah. this can be something I'm going to think about a lot. And that's, I do feel like that that's sometimes. a good way to go into this new year being like, you know, this, this year, 12 months they're about to be filled with so many good things I know it sometimes can be easier to focus on the things that make us a little overwhelmed you know but there are so many good things in store and I think that's a good way to you know in this episode about anxiety is there's always more good so it's important to focus on that yeah 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 seek joy seek joy yes that's what our mom that. always says. That's the theme of this year for me. Yeah. I've, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts where people talk about setting a theme or picking a word for the year. And I think mine's joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It is a good one. Well, thank you yeah, so much yeah, for joining you. us. Absolutely. I think that this, I'm really excited for people to hear this episode. I me think too. hopefully this helps a lot of people out there. And especially it helped me. I was just telling my sister, like, Oh my gosh, last night I had such a bad, like my heart was racing, you know, and I was having the whole sleep thing. And I was like, can't wait for today. I have so much to talk about with anxiety. (laughs) 
this is like you're talking to me so i think this is yeah. really good well we appreciate your time so yes. much okay thanks for having me i enjoyed it thank happy you so new much year. happy new year, new year.